eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome in to the Online Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner, and it's time. It's time, Joey Wagner. Let's talk about the big boys in the trenches, the offensive line and defensive line, as we continue our position previews. We're recording this on August 22nd. So what is that, 11 days from kickoff of Illinois against Toledo? Still a nine-point spread from what I have seen. So we'll break down what has been the strength of Illinois the last couple years under Brett Bielman and what has been a huge reason of why they've taken a step forward. So I'm excited about this, Joey, but I want to hit on a few things before we dive right into the offensive line here. Uh, Luke Altmaier, new starting quarterback at Illinois, met with the media today. You were there. You chatted with him. What was your big takeaway from Luke today? He's really, really happy. Like, it's an understatement to say he's really happy to have this job, but I, I don't know that he always loves going back to talking about losing the job twice at Ole Miss. And, and I, I almost want to rephrase that to losing it once. Like, he lost as a true freshman to Matt Corral. That is a pretty understandable loss of a quarterback job. Seventh in the uh, Heisman vote, Matt Corral. Third-round draft pick, Matt Corral. And Luke Altmaier was a backup true freshman. That's pretty good. That was pretty good for him. I think the one truly that stings was last year, losing to Jackson Dart, who they brought in as a transfer. That that one – That's what hurt. They brought in a transfer. That, yeah, that's what stings to him. But he – so I almost feel bad going back, right, to all of that, but it's part of his story. And it's a lot of those experiences fueled him, not fueled him, they educated him, they helped him grow as a person to where he is now. He seems really grounded in who he is. Uh, as a football player, I think today was probably the most outward confidence I remember hearing out of Luke Altmaier since he's committed. Not that he's ever been timid but when he said I'm, I believe I'm good enough to lead this team or I believe in my abilities things like that where you just you feel it there and coming out with him a little bit uh, but I also think he's vulnerable enough to say yeah that sucked like that hurt it hurts losing a starting job and I think that played into to what it means so much for him 
to have this job. And, and look, Illinois didn't give him this job because he was hurt about Ole Miss. He, he earned this job. He's a talented quarterback. He's going to help this offense, presumably help this offense, continue to evolve in Brett Bielema's sister tenure here and under Barry Lunny. So I just think he's, I think he's grounded. I think he's grounded in who he is. I think he's really happy to be in this spot. And I think he's happy that his guys believe in him. I think that's something you're seeing more and more, hearing more and more. Yeah. Some people might see that like uh reflection as, is like a weakness that he looks back on it and, and is a little bit vulnerable to me. I, I, I think that's really mature. I think that's really mature. I think he gained a lot being at Ole Miss. I mean, Lane Kiffin, Whatever what you think of him, runs pretty good offense there. Uh, to learn from Matt Corral, to learn from Jackson Dart, uh, even if he didn't want to learn from Jackson Dart, like there's a lot to be taken from that experience for him. So I, I think there was a lot to be gained there. And then just to deal with failure. Let's think about it. Luke Altmaier was the stud of Starkville for his entire life, right? Like He was trained to be a quarterback. He was a really good prospect, had offers from all these schools, including Alabama and Georgia, and like really good schools. Right, So he's been trained for this, and that was like the first time he was told, hey, you're not quite good enough. But he's kept on. He found a different place, and he's had some adjustments to that place. Brett Bielema and Barry Lunny have talked about that, but he wins the job. He earns the job at a Big Ten program that seems to be on the rise. Uh, and now there's a lot of pressure on him, but I think he's really happy to have that pressure. This is what he's been working on for a really long time. So I found him to be a really mature young man uh, and a very reflective young man. And I think that can help him as long as he doesn't linger on some of those things and he learns and he progresses. But for what we've gained from the coaches so far, seems like he does progress. He doesn't get you know too down on himself when things are bad, doesn't get too up on himself when, when things are going so well. So uh, we know he's talented and, and he seems to have a good head on his shoulders. Yeah. Let me pull up a quote. I pulled him aside uh, right near the end of our conversation today. And I just asked him because I mean, Jeremy, we failed at stuff, right? Like when you fail at something or come up short, I don't know if you want to call it failure or not, you come up shorter than you hoped on something like it can, can knock your confidence, right? Like you've got to rebuild that. And, and I asked him about that and I thought, and we gave a really good answer and our stories on the line. I inquire, Uh, but he said, I think you kind of let those emotions not get too far in your head. And I really just believe in my identity as a person and how much I do every single day. I put my best foot forward. If I'm not good enough or whatever it may be, then nothing's going to change about who I am. I believe in my abilities as a player. I think I'm super gifted. And I'm thankful God has blessed me with those gifts. Like that to me is the perfect balance of not getting too hung up on that because like knows who he is and by all accounts sounds like a pretty good good enough guy right like outside very, of football and one thing we all got to learn how to be happy with who you are right and, and he <laughs> seems he seems pretty happy with who he is as a person and his talent like he, he feels that can shine through i think that's something we all got to find in life so uh, again the maturity just really shines through there yeah he's really really impressive today and now you got to go out there and you got to make passes on saturdays right yeah. and I, that, that's what we need to see next out of luke altmeyer but uh, he was impressive today. Yeah. All right, we haven't hit on this. Uh, didn't bring it up yesterday because we had other news and position battles to talk about. But Josiah Knight commits to Illinois, three-star edge rusher. 
outside linebacker out of Florida. Uh, the interesting anecdote here is that Russell Ellington, former Illini linebacker, is his head coach now at Gadsden County down in Tallahassee area. Uh, but Josiah Knight is a really good get. It, this felt like the one position of need they hadn't addressed yet. And you started to get the feeling when Georgia Tech, which was the main competition here, Missouri as well. Uh, but Illinois beat out Missouri for official visit. Georgia Tech had taken some other edge commitments. It felt like Illinois was in a good place. He just wanted to announce this. Uh, during his first high school game, it was a scrimmage um, exhibition game against another team on Friday night. But he announces for the Illini, and I really like this get. Um, you talk about tools. Josiah Knight has tools. And I was talking with somebody uh, at Illinois the other day, and I said – Alec Bryant, I, I kind of kind of compare him to, and they say he might be a little more twitchy than that. And I said, I, I see some Gabe Ackes there, but I don't want to throw that out there quite yet. And, and talking with Josiah Knight the other day, you know, Gabe Ackes being from Florida, seeing him be a freshman All-American at Illinois, that played a role here. They they sold the heck out of Gabe Ackes, which is not a surprise. But Josiah Knight, when you talk about physical tools, reminds you a little bit about Gabe, six foot four, but with a six ten wingspan, which is insane. Uh, really great burst off the line of scrimmage. Uh, and obviously he's going to grow into his body, but he's already 230 pounds going into his senior year. He's a really impressive physical specimen. I'm surprised he didn't have more power five offers than, than what he already had, Joey. I think he's going to take some time to develop. Like there's some technique things, but that's why you have Charlie Bowen. And Charlie Bowen, another successful recruitment for him. Nice start for him with Joe Barna, Lane Jenkins. And now you add somebody like this in, in – uh, obviously, Josiah Knight, who goes by JoJo, another JoJo for the Illinois defense. I really like this get. It might take a little while to get there, but he's one of my more high-ceiling guys in this class. So he's kind of middle of the pack rankings-wise, but I think ceiling-wise, this guy's has got all Big Ten potential. We'll see what he develops into a couple years from now. Yeah, if there's a room where it can take a little while to get to, you would think outside linebacker at Illinois right now is a room where that's okay. That's okay if it takes a little time. There's an embarrassment of riches in that room. Like, that is the deepest, like most talented. You feel comfortable saying deepest to most talented room on the roster? I'm not, sure. Look, we say that knowing what they have at a couple other positions. Honestly, and I'm not trying to do hyperbole here. I'm trying to think of a time I've covered Illinois where you felt better about a position currently and for the long term. Because the talent they are accruing at this outside linebacker position, and Brett Bielema has backed that up, saying this is the most talented edge rusher room I've ever had as, as a head coach. Seth Coleman, I think, is going to have a chance to play in the NFL. Gayback is going to be an NFL draft pick. Alec Bryant, they love right now. And I think he's a really high floor third guy in, in your room, former four-star prospect. Lane Jenkins is a freak physically. Now, he's going to need time to develop, add strength. Jared Beatty was a very highly guarded prospect they really like, just needs to stay healthy. Trey Smith, talk about twitchy. He's got to add strength, but man, uh, Mason Moragan, they really like a high floor edge presence there. Then you're adding Joe Barna and Josiah Knight to it. That's just, yeah, that that's a room that Iowa, Michigan, like I'm saying, those are, that's the kind of depth they're developing and in, in adding in that room right now. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but it's, that's a legit edge rusher room for a position that didn't exist in this program three years ago i mean they've really done a good job of taking what was there and, and helped turn that in to something else seth coleman yeah seth coleman and, and zeke holmes are the only two holdovers from the last staff at that so they've done a good job of maximizing that and going out and now you're seeing that i'm adding more josiah and i just 
very, very athletic. Uh, like tight end, yeah, he plays some tight end in high school, and it is <laughs> you should be able to do those two things at the same time. The way you can play tight end and be an edge rusher, it's it's a good get for Illinois, and I think you're starting to see Charlie Bowen get his. I, obviously, he, he lost on Marquis Lightfoot. Yeah. Probably Illinois, in a lot of ways, didn't have a lot of reason to be in that battle to begin with. He did a good job building that. I think you're starting to see him get his feet under him as a recruiter. And it's something that you and I didn't take very long in talking with him to realize, like, this guy might be okay. That's the recruiting element of this, which was a fair question when he got hired because he had never done it before. But, man, he, he's added a lot, and, and Knight adds to that room in a, in a pretty significant way. Yeah, people always ask us for our guys. My brother always asked me that question in, in a recruiting <laughs> class. I, I like what they're building in this class. I just think it's really good, high-quality good prospects in this class a couple highly ranked ones um so i, I like eddie turk a lot uh, obviously cool valentine's really fast those are some of the sexier gets in this class but a lot of my guys are on defense demetrius john i think is an underrated prospect i, I think he's got a really high ceiling obviously everyone loves easton baker when they turn on his film i think vernon woodward has a chance to be the best player in this class eventually but Add Josiah Knight to that. He's he's one of my guys in this class. I just think the tools, and we just know the development they have on defense. There's just a, a really big confidence that they're going to be able to develop these guys in the players, Joey. Yeah, and this coaching staff has earned the benefit of the doubt because they continue to deliver uh, on the development aspect of, of getting these guys ready for bigger positions. I think this year will probably be the most we've seen of that, just understanding where they have uh, some new faces that, that have been developed. But, yeah, this – this recruiting class, to this point, doesn't have a Malik Elzey, doesn't have a Caden Fagan necessarily, uh, but it's, it's got some really talented players in it and players that the staff identified early and in a lot of ways closed down early. It's, it's turning out pretty good. And you almost forget about the 24 class now that it's late August. Yeah. But there, I would imagine they're still going to be searching around for some late risers and to get Josiah Knight this late in the process and kind of sticking with him through the summer into this point. That's a nice addition here right now. And what we think is one of the last few spots probably on the, in this class. Yeah, so let's address the question, what's next? Well, from what I hear, it's just 2025 kids. Get them on campus, 2026 kids. Get them on campus as the season starts. And then you look for those late risers, so the Matthew Baileys of the world, the Xavier Scotts of the world, right? Um, or Macrosetich, who, who's getting some buzz as well. They've been really good at finding some of those guys. So could they add a couple more in this class? Potentially. Dalen Platt's a name that they hosted for an official visit. Ole Miss is very involved. Uh, some other schools are getting involved, so he might take more time. But uh, I would imagine maybe a couple more who are late risers. But um, usually they kind of look in state, look in Florida and kind of their areas and, and see any late risers. And they've been pretty good at that here, Joey. Yeah, this is very much a trust your connections time of the last end of the class. And uh, Gabe Ackes wasn't a late riser. He was a fairly late addition. You trust the coaches who you've known for – decade or however long who have sent you guys and hey so-and-so I either played or so-and-so I coach is really looks pretty good over here you look at really look for Pat Ryan to make some calls around the state of Illinois we've seen that play out Uh, look I don't think we want to paint the picture they're going to have four late risers right but I I think there's definitely room for one or two if the chips fall that way otherwise you're seeing a program not battle from behind in terms of uh, recruiting classes are able to get in there and continue to keep those connections a couple classes ahead of themselves and get some kids 
on campus for what could be a pretty solid season for them. The most important thing they do right now is keep recruiting their 2024 commits. Uh, make sure that they stay in this class. You keep them till December. Sometimes that is the hardest part of all of this. And we've seen everybody going after Trey Petty, their quarterback in this class. So um, that's the important thing now is to keep recruiting those guys as hard because you got a got a couple months here before December signing period. All right, and maybe before- see what guys you can keep recruiting who, who maybe you didn't. Uh, hello, Malik Elsey. Yeah, yeah. Flips, any any flips out there. That's uh, something they'll certainly look at, especially if they continue to succeed on the field. All right, before we dive into the offensive line, got to tell you about BetterHelp. This episode of the Online Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices and the path isn't always clear. This can be with some major life changes going, going away to college, hitting the real world on your own relationships with significant others, or struggling as a parent. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make the decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Illini today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Illini. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling meeting new friends or just even to master a new skill but it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. 
All right, Joe, I've been waiting for this. The podcast of the big men, the trenches. Let's dive into it with our position previews, starting with the offensive line. Obviously a position of strength last year. Illinois, one of nine semifinalists for the Joe Moore Award. They weren't perfect the entire year, but boy, they were good. And there are reason Chase Brown had such a successful season. Why Tommy DeVito felt like he had time in the pocket most of the time. Uh, but you lose a couple of those guys in Alex Palczewski and Alex Pilstrom. But the storyline for this group is that you got Isaiah Adams and Julian Pearl to come back. Despite those guys likely would have been in NFL training camps, no doubt. Isaiah Adams would have probably been a mid-round draft pick. Julian Pearl, maybe a late flyer, maybe an undrafted free agent. But to get those guys back was such a massive win for Brett Bielma and Bart Miller and really a sign of how much confidence those guys have that they're going to take me to yet another level that I don't have to leap now. I can make more money if I stay in college, get some NIL, really good NIL, and then go to the NFL next year and make a bigger signing bonus. Yeah, that was a huge deal. Uh, and I think it, it's a, I think Barry Lunny even talked about this earlier in fall camp, if not going back to the spring, kind of teetered a little bit over the course of the offseason where, where maybe Julian Pearl was leaning towards going and Isaiah Adams towards staying, and then it, it flipped, and ultimately it landed on both of those guys staying. And look, I know the law firm, we'll get to them later on in this podcast, Jeremy, get a lot of attention. They should. They're very, very good players. This is equally as important on the defensive or on the offensive side of the ball. And I think it's also important to say that Illinois saw value, obviously, in not only getting them back, which has tremendous value, but in keeping them together. Mm -hmm. That is something we talked about a lot in the offseason, especially early on and late last season. That does Isaiah Adams kick over to right tackle to replace Alex Palcheski and you go with the bookend. I think Illinois. You know, I don't know how deep they got in some of those exploratory ideas. They certainly explored uh, the thought of maybe moving Julian Pearl over there, but it, they like what they have with those two side by side with each other on that left side. So yeah, not only are you getting two guys back, you're getting a whole side of your line taken care of, and that's a that's a big deal. Isaiah Adams was third team All Big Ten in his first season in FBS football. Like, I, I liked him a lot as a Juco prospect. Thought he's going to be a good, star, solid starter his first year. He was great for most of the year. Had some issues. Like, I think he wants to be more consistent with the pass blocking. Uh, had some penalty issues. Um, but you talk about physicality and tenacity. 120 and a half knockdowns they had him for. Doug Kramer led the team the year before and had like 89. That's ridiculous uh, what Isaiah Adams did. And. I tell you, like some people in the program, before Johnny Newton started getting this first-round buzz after he came back, they think it's an actual argument about who goes first in the draft, Isaiah Adams or Johnny Newton. I think it's going to be Johnny. But that's how they feel about Isaiah Adams and how good he can be. I think because he's probably a guard prospect. He's more second day two. Um, but that's returning on the Illinois offensive line. That's really good. And then Julian Pearl, great length, great athleticism. For him, it's consistency, right? And, and he's... I mean, you look at him, Joey, compared to what he was in high school. You saw Keith Randolph tweet out a video of him, what he looked like his senior year of high school. How far these guys changed their bodies is pretty amazing. And Julian Pearl was 225 pounds, I think, when he came into Illinois, played defensive end his first year. Six years later, it is six years later, I get it. But um, 
to get him back at left tackle. That's a really quality left tackle and a guy that, that's got a chance at the next level due to his physical traits. And, and obviously, you know, they love what he brings at that position. So that is one of the best duos next to each other in the Big Ten. Like Michigan, amazing offensive line. Obviously, there's really good offensive linemen in the Big Ten. Ohio State's got a bunch of really talented guys back. But Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams feel really good. That one side of the ball, you're going to be able to rely on game in and game out. Yeah, I know the staff loves Julian Pearl's athleticism. We've talked a lot about it. It's, made, it's what made him such an intriguing prospect and what you know a lot of those coaches were really interested in getting him on campus. But I just don't think it can go understated the importance of having a whole side of the line taken care of. And you get an Isaiah Adams. They love him. They love his approach. They love his his tenacity. We talked on our last podcast and uh, about him knocking down his his coaches when, when Brett Bielema and Bart Miller were there during a drill. As you mentioned, the knockdowns that did not change. And yeah, that was his first year of college football. Like he had really gone from Canada to JUCO to to the Big Ten, and, and that you watched him. That didn't look like that looked like a path of, of those kids who were kind of coming up as linemen all the way and have all of the nuances of this and that down. And I remember talking to Isaiah Adams last fall, was it maybe fall camp, before he had really uh, kind of burst onto the scene here. And he talked about just studying all those guys. Like he spent so much time on YouTube watching this. And now you're looking at a guy who's like, has his own film, Big Ten film to watch. And and obviously I think there's a lot of respect for what Bart Miller does as an offensive line coach and the development there just a strong left side man and when, you, when you're talking about incorporating new faces into this offensive line which we'll get to having one side taken care of uh, of two veteran guys that, that that's a pretty big deal yeah isaiah adams pff had as the third uh graded guard last year in the big 10 i mean the big 10's loaded with, with offensive linemen and they had him number three in the big 10 great run blocking grade and pearl allowed five sacks last year 10 quarterback hurries i think both were were the worst on the team but I mean he's obviously playing a hard position but you wrote the story despite allowing two total sacks in the final two games he allowed just three in the final 11 games of the season like that that that's huge improvement for Julian Pearl who you know didn't have a ton of experience the year prior right like so this is a, a guy who's still developing even though you know he's been here six years it feels like he's just starting to kind of scratch the surface there so i still think there's more upside with both those guys that they could be all big 10 second maybe even higher guys well this is also his first back-to-back year at the same position right when, when he first came up and alex palcheski got hurt he played some guard and uh you know remember he was at right tackle for a portion in 2021 is that right yeah yeah palcheski moved into right guard to have back-to-back years at left tackle knowing who you are knowing about the position going all into that like that that's also uh, something to be there's something to be said about that yeah all right obviously then the big question is there's three players at new positions starting this year Josh Kurtz seems to have solidified himself at center. We can get to that. Zai Chrysler moves from right guard to tackle. And then we have the right guard competition. Let's start with Chrysler, who last year showed flashes. You'd watch this film, Joey, and there's flashes of, oh, that guy has a chance eventually to be where Pearl and Adams are going into this year. But then there was inconsistencies, as you'd expect from a guy who just went from JUCO as a true sophomore 
right? You'd expect some growing pains, and he had those. He was the lowest-graded offensive lineman on the Illini. Being a part of that, he was able to get all Big Ten honors, and you know, he was a, a good piece. He was a solid piece, but they had to rotate him out with Jordan Slaughter last year. Doesn't sound like that's happening this year. He, he missed right the spring ball due to a shoulder injury they knew he had before he got to Illinois, got that cleaned up, and they seem to have all the confidence in the world that he can make that move from guard to tackle and do just fine. Yeah, they knew he had guard tackle value and they recruited him out of JUCO. And I, I think that his approach, even though he was limited in the spring and he had that surgery and really in the winter, you're not having a full off season. I think the way he approached it, whether that be studying you know, the playbook or studying film or, or finding ways to do lower body things to stay in shape, you worry, you know, look, it's no secret. He, Brad Bielma said them. they got him. They need to trim him down a little bit. And you worry about a guy like that when you're physically limited in terms of what they can and can't do in the weight room and conditioning-wise. And he went the opposite. He lost uh, – the bill kind of depends on who you ask. Let's just say north of 20 pounds. I think that seems to be the general consensus. Um, and not being able to, to have a full offseason, I think that told them a lot about that desire, about that hunger. Bart Miller has mentioned a new hunger that he's seen in Zy Chrysler. And, like, Zy Chrysler played tackle, played in high school, mm-hmm. played it at JUCO. He didn't play it last year. And, honestly, I, I do wonder if he was in route to playing that last year before that late waiver for Alex Palczewski to come back came through because they, I, I think they saw him as the right tackle last year. But now he's going to have that opportunity – we know he's big and powerful. I mean, he's a mountain of him. He's a huge individual. Uh, but he's also – he's he kind of pushed back. Someone asked him, you know, like, do you feel like you're moving better? So, no, I've always moved pretty well. He said, even when I was a, a big guy in high school up to, you know, north of 350 pounds, I was still dunking a basketball. So, he, he's got – he's a good athlete. And he's more sure. nimble than he probably gets credit for. I think – And then he continues to slim down. I think you and I saw it. The first spring he was here, he moved and – Yeah, Was that – I forgot what linebacker it was. Was it Malachi uh, Hood? It was. It was Malachi Hood. <laughs> Welcome to college football. It's that pull. He pulled as a guard. And he, he – Look, let's be honest. It felt like he was moving in slow-mo because he, he didn't really – I mean, that was still in the early stages of his physical de- redevelopment there, but – goodness gracious he but there was enough like there was enough movement there that i'm like there's athleticism there like he and, and if you're losing weight you're going to be a little bit more nimble when you're carrying less weight you're going to be quicker that, that's just what happens and he's got the tools man he's got the tools like zai chrysler i think can take a massive leap i got a breakout candidates list coming out and it might be people might be oh he's all big 10 last year listen i i don't know if he was an all big 10 guy he wasn't on my list last year right he showed flashes of that ability i think he's a legit potential all big 10 guy this year maybe it's honorable mention again but i just think legitimately he can be that this year and go into next year as an nfl draft prospect kind of like adams and pearl are now so um if he reaches that and can give you most of what palcheski gave you and I think Chrysler's probably a little bit more nimble than Palcho was after the, the knee surgery. Palcho's just so reliable. That's the difference there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he can take a massive leap. Out of all the linemen, I think he can take the biggest leap from last year. All right, let's hit on center. I know we've mentioned it. I know we mentioned Avery Jones and every story we got about Josh Kruitz, but they tried to upgrade this position. Weren't able to get, get Jones here. 
Amari Wiggins goes to Arkansas. They end up adding Will Lease uh, to, to give them some competition at center. It seems like Zach Barlow has provided the, the best competition there. Uh, and Jordan Slaughter repping a little bit there too. But this is Josh Kurtz's time at center, and I'm excited for him. I'm excited for to to see what he can do because, man, his teammates rave about his intelligence, his leadership, his tenacity. Just a lot of the things you hear about Doug Kramer, overcoming the lack of physical tools or the ideal physical tools. Kruitz has got a lot of those things going for him. And, and obviously the Kruitz name, nobody's surprised by that, Joey. No, and I don't think he lacks for confidence either. In fact, I know he does. And I know when Illinois was kind of sorting around the transfer portal, seeing who was available, who who wasn't, they, they kept him in the loop. I mean, I don't think Josh Kruitz ever found out about anything on social media. I think they were very upfront with him about his about their approach in the portal. And everything I understand is his response was kind of, all right, Bring it. that's fine. Yeah. Bring it on. Like, I don't – not really that flustered by it. Um, he, he's, he didn't shy away from the competition in any way. And then I, I think that kind of paints a lot of what you hear. I know Isaiah Adams was, was very, very complimentary of Josh Kruitz this fall. Which which can I mention? I forgot to mention yeah. this. It was in my head. Isaiah Adams, team captain. That, that tells you a lot about the impact he's made in the year plus that he's been here. But continue on, Kurtz. We'll get to it, but three trench guys of six... 16 captains. Hello, Brett Bielema. Hell yeah. Program. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Warner loves it. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, man. I, I think, and look, I think there were even times a year ago that when Alex Pilstrom, who had by all, I mean, that was a pretty fine year for Alex Pilstrom. He wasn't the best center in the Big Ten, but he was a walk-on tight end like three years before that, and he was a vagabond offensive lineman before that, right? He played at every position. Like, that was a good year, and I think there were even times where Josh Kruitz was like, yeah, I'm good to go in there and do that. I can do that. Like he does not lack for confidence out there. And I think that's a big thing when you're talking about a, a redshirt sophomore going out and getting their first chance. Look, yeah, he's undersized. Uh, will that hurt him? I don't know. We haven't seen him play any Big Ten football to this point outside of being in the barge formation. But they, they believe in what they see and what he the way he goes about it. I, I said, you know, what, what do you think you showed to the coaches? It's no surprise they – I mean, no secret, they looked around. He said, I think if you have a good day every day, nobody can say you had a bad camp. All right. Yeah. Fair enough, man. That's a good way of saying it. Uh, Doug Kramer's first year as a starter at a 65.7 PFF grade, the next year 71.1. Kruitz is a little older than Kramer was when he became a starter, so I think those are reasonable expectations uh, for somebody that's getting that kind of – pub is intelligence he's quick he's quick off the snap he should be um but yeah it seems like they, they have a lot of confidence or at least enough confidence in josh Kurtz right now the, the big question is that uh fifth starter spot and boy jordan slaughter's been trying to get it for six years now and i, I think he's got a tough battle against josh geske who has played tackle when zy chrysler's been out whether it's the spring or this past week when chrysler had a, a minor ankle injury uh, but assuming Chrysler's all good to go and, and Bielma made it sound like he'll be good to go for the opener. Uh, we talked about this last podcast. seems like Geske has the higher ceiling here. And Slaw, like he seems like he's the more physical, tenacious blocker. Uh, and that's what Bart Miller usually sides with. And let's be honest, this is this could be a three-year investment with Josh Geske. And last year they, they went with Zy Chrysler. It was kind of a similar situation and – the guy with maybe a higher ceiling that might go through some growing pains, they went with him. So it'll be interesting to see who goes, but as we talked about yesterday, I think Geske might be the favorite here, Joey. 
I think so, and I, I've kind of been leaning that way yeah. for a little bit here. Yeah, you've been leaning that way more than I have, yeah. But I, I think his versatility also matters. I think the ability to kick him out, to tackle, helps him. And, you know, they want to get some of those game reps, I think. But he's he's powerful. He's a big, strong, powerful guy who probably moves a little bit better than, than you would think, just given how strong he is. We'll see. You know, I don't. I do wonder if, if even if he wins it, which I th- I think he will, will there be a rotation like there was last year? How much of that rotation was one to manage uh, Chrysler's continued yeah. physical development, and I, I do wonder if it was part of to manage his his injury that they knew was there and they knew it was ultimately going to need to be treated, or how much was it just trying to get Jordan Slaughter out there? Well, so I I think this will tell us a lot if they rotate Slaughter in this year. And it's a credit to Slaughter that. If, that, if that's your sixth guy, that's a pretty good place to be comparatively to where Illinois has been before. Because Jordan Slaughter, I, I don't know if he's going to be an All Big Ten guy, right? Like he's if he was, I think he would have won this job easily. Um, but he's a serviceable guy in, in your rotation, and they're working him in at center. I don't know if he's going to be able to play that, but uh, the fact that you got an experienced guy had what sixty something PFF grade last year, and when I watched him, he just held his own. Um, I, I think the fact that you have that guy, an experienced guy. And it sounds like, you know, Bart Miller raved about his maturity and handling everything that he's gone through the last couple of years with injuries, not winning the job. You have a guy that's got Big Ten experience and, and solid Big Ten experience at that. So the fact that he's still, like, if he's your sixth guy, I think that's a positive sign for Illinois. Yeah, let's be honest. There were drives that he came in in relief of, of Slaughter that kind of gave the offense some juice. That he, I, I thought there were drives that really looked like they picked up when he came in at right guard. Maybe it's just a natural flow of the game, but he, he certainly he had moments last year that he thought, okay, this is the guy who's been battling for a job for yep. a couple of years before that injury. I thought he was more reliable than Chrysler, but Chrysler just had moments that I just don't think Slaughter can replicate um, physically um, on the field. So I, I think that's a positive sign for Illinois. Let's get into the depth chart. Who else could play? Brett Bielema mentioned seven to eight guys, Joey. I'll let you lead off here. It's Brandon Henderson. Brandon Henderson season. I, I hate to I, – I, I think he's in that top seven and top eight for sure because I think he can play a lot of positions. You would say him, say Zach Barlib, yeah. Jordan Slaughter, and then I wonder who the eighth is. Uh, if well, there's an eighth, we, Hunter Whitenack probably. We've got eight. So, I mean, you mentioned three off the bench there with Slaughter if he's not the oh, starter. I can't do math. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Brandon Henderson can play guard or tackle. I think they're grooming him to be the left tackle of, of next year. Uh, but I think Harder Whitenack, if he's your ninth guy, because he played last year, he played seven games or he played all the games, right? I think for the most part, um, special teams, and I think that was getting him ready to play this year in case he needed to. And I think they'd be comfortable if they have to put him in for a series or so. So the fact that he's your ninth guy, I think, I don't know if he's fully ready. I don't, Hunter Whitenack's not the most nimble guy, but boy, he's a a van. Is, is that Brett Bielma or Bart Miller said that? Um, Brett Bielma. I still wish that NIL opportunity would come through for a 1996 Astro van. Or just a light van. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's huge. He's Matt. He looks like a Wisconsin offensive lineman. So, yeah, the depth, I think you're starting to feel better about. Listen, I don't know what Brandon Henderson is this year. Zachary Barlev, I haven't seen it center. But it looks better. Like, even talking with a scout, he said, up front, their depth, especially he mentioned the offensive line too. Like they got a couple more dudes coming up that that should be pretty good. And I think Brandon Henderson's a big part of that. He's an impressive looking guy, and I think he's got so much more to go physically with Tank Wright. 
but they have way more confidence in a true freshman to potentially play than than I thought they would have at this point, even though I liked him as a prospect. Yeah, I kind of thought with this staff, given what they want on the offensive line, that the thought of a true freshman coming in and potentially playing right away, we should sell. Like, I don't – I I just don't think we'll see him. I think we'll see him in four games if they can swing it, but I don't think it's going to be – you know, barring an injury, one of those things where you see him rotate in. Barring injury or um, underperformance, right? Or just he takes a huge leap during the season. Yeah, I, so, so I don't want to set the expectation to, hey, wait, you'll see this guy at some point a lot. I, I don't know that that's it, but the fact that it's a real possibility, like it is something that it appears they feel comfortable in some degree with as a true freshman, probably tells you a lot more about Brandon Henderson than the depth on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, because they, they would conceivably have guys who could go in there and and spell, you know, for an injury, whether that's a quarter or a game or a couple games. And he's in that mix. And they've this is a position they've recruited well. Like they have other options there. So that I mean that tells me a lot about him. Yeah, and the fact that his emergence is big because Desmond Schuster was kind of supposed to play that role, right? And with his unknown, he's still gotta be cleared. Uh, sounds like something personal with him. I don't don't want to dive into that, but um, his availability is in question. Um, so Desmond Schuster, a year older than Brandon Henderson, kind of similarly built. I thought Desmond Schuster was kind of going to be your top guard potentially uh, in the two deep. So the fact that Brandon Henderson potentially play that role, I think is is really important. Any other guys? I mean, we mentioned White Knacks probably in the two deep. Moeller probably technically, Mountis Moeller's probably in the two deep if you just went left tackle, but I don't think he'd be the next left tackle up. I think they'd move things around, whether it's Isaiah Adams or Brandon Henderson playing there. Um, Clayton Leonard got scout team last year. I I don't think he's ready for quite an impact. Joey Okla has kind of moved between guard and center. I'm really high on TJ McMillan's future, but they – I don't think you're alone on that. Yeah, they don't quite need him at center yet with Josh Kruitz, but – my guy after Josh Kurtz would probably be T.J. McMillan. Yeah, a guy that could be a multi-year starter for Illinois. I, I think they're they're high on him. He, look, he, he didn't come in. He came in at the same time as Brandon Henderson, and, and all the attention's justifiably gone to Brandon Henderson because he's, by all accounts, had a good spring and summer and fall. But they're still, they still really, really like where T.J. McMillan is and what he can be for them long term. Yeah, and Zach Amlin got, got eyes on him for the first time this, this fall in training camp. I think he's got a long way to go just technically and, and all that, but he looks the part. I mean, you, you look at him, Whitenack, Moeller, uh, those guys certainly look the part of Big Ten tackle. And they've got more more guys looking the part coming in in the class of 2024. Yeah, Brandon Henderson's a fierce Stewart, Caleb Pyfram, all legit Big Ten guys. All right, Joey, let's wrap this up uh, on the offensive line with expectations. How good can this group be? I don't know that they're going to have five all Big Ten offensive linemen again. I think three feels right, the big three. Yeah. Um, I, Julian Pearl, Isaiah Adams, I, Chrysler. I think you could have guys higher up than they were a year ago on those all Big Ten lists. Will they be a Joe Moore semifinalist? Probably because it's Brett Bielema and Bart Miller's <laughs> offensive line, and I think there's a reputation. I think they're going to play well for you mean, large stretches. You mean Illinois gets a positive reputation and they get the benefit of the doubt with some of these things? That, that's a step in the right direction there, Joey. Don't say that too loud. Or you might, someone might might disagree. Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I, I think it can – it's a good question. I, I don't want to say I think it could be what it was a year ago because two, the two guys who were gone – are sitting in NFL camps right now as we get closer to September and cut day. Yeah. Right. Like that's a pretty big thing, but I think 
this staff has earned the benefit of the doubt. This is going to be an upper half of the Big Ten offensive line. Yeah. They're going to be physical as heck. Yeah, I bent down there to get to Phil Steele's book. They have Illinois' offensive line ranked fifth in the Big Ten behind Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin, and tied with Iowa. And I know Wisconsin brings some guys back, but Illinois' offensive line was so much better than them last year. Like, so much better. I know Wisconsin's is young, but Illinois gets some young guys. Like, Zach Chrysler and Josh Kruitz are, are young. Uh, I think Isaiah Adams and Julian Pearl, going back to the main storyline, that, that four is so high for this group. The fact that they are back. And you mentioned it. It's a Brett Bielma, Bart Miller operation. Bart Miller's a really good offensive line coach. Really good. And this is where they have changed the program a lot, is in the trenches. And they are good in the trenches. They got two really good position coaches on the offensive line and defensive line in the trenches. And they get the most out of their guys. Alex Pilsham was an all-Big Ten center last year. That's insane. Like, it's kind of insane. Like, all five guys got all-Big Ten honors last year. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, but Isaiah Adams' development was, was ridiculous last year. And, and the fact that you know, Palcho bounced back like he did from that really serious of a, a surgery uh, is pretty great. So I, I think Chrysler takes a big step forward. I think Kruitz at least is serviceable, and I think they'll get a serviceable right guard. And then three all-Big Ten guys, at left tackle, right tackle, and left guard, I think it's going to be a really good group, and I think Illinois is going to have a ton of rushing success, and I think Luke Altmaier should be protected pretty well. But I expect some inconsistencies. I don't know if they'll be as good or better than last year, but I think they'll be pretty dang close, and I think they'll be a huge strength of the team. Yeah, I could see a similar timeline. You know, remember last year, it's not like they came out of the gates on fire as an offensive line. There were growing pains. Alex Pilstrom in particular had growing pains. Indiana goal year. line. Go back to yeah. that film, yeah. Zy Chrysler had growing pains last year. I think you could see a similar yeah. you know, where Josh Cruz is going to have some growing pains. If it's Josh Geske, he's going to have some growing pains. Maybe Zy Chrysler has those early on at right tackle. But I think by it, I feel weird because I say this, I, I feel like at almost every position group that by the middle of August or October, this, like I think with Bart Miller as the coach and more game reps, you know, Josh Cruz doesn't have any game reps at center. Uh, you know, Josh Gesky doesn't have game reps at right guard. You know what I have little question about with these guys? I mean, we got to see Gesky and Krutz. They're all – all the coaches' players talk about their physicality and tenacity. That's what they want. Like, they're going to have some growing pains with the technique and maybe they get beat on a move because their technique was off. But this is going to be a physical tone-setting group that I think is going to help Illinois later on in games wear an opponent down. Um, and that's what Brett Bielma is, is really known for, right? So I think they will continue that tradition. I have not a lot of concern about the Illinois offensive line. I think that's the best way I can put it. Will it be perfect for 13 potentially games? Probably not. Right. But I think it is by the end of the season, it's going to be in an upper half of the Big Ten offensive line, which is something I think should be the standard in, in this Brett Bielma Bart Miller operation. All right, before we get into the defensive line, which is a fun conversation for Illini fans, I want to tell you about Homefield Apparel. They are the premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from, including your University of Illinois Fighting Illini. Homefield designs are super unique. 
because they dive into the archives and history of each school, including the Illini, and use their unique logos and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They're all about authenticity and nostalgia. And Illini fans, you can see it on the screen here on YouTube. They got the script Illini. They got the ringer T with the orange. Brad Evans loves that one. The 2005 Illini basketball logo, the flying Illini, the 80s Illini football helmet, some of the great moments, even some Rose Bowl shirts as well. And I'm telling you guys, they are so comfortable. These aren't those boxy tees that you don't look good in. No, these are really comfortable tees. So give their site a look. It's not the typical Illinois gear you usually see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see the collection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with discount code Illini23. Again, discount code Illini23 at homefieldapparel.com. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. So check them out. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Joey. Defensive line. The storyline. Just like the offensive line. Two guys who should be in the NFL right now came back. They came back. NIL is helping Illinois right now. Um, So I know maybe they don't get the top transfers, but boy, retaining their talent has been pretty big. And again, just the confidence in Brett Bielma and on this side of the football, Terrence Jamison to get even more out of them, help them make even more money with one more year of college development. Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, the law firm, is back. The The season outlook changed completely when Isaiah Adams, Julian Pearl, and now you know Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph. The defensive outlook changed completely with these two returning. Yeah, we should also say the top two storylines in this podcast are proof that Illinois has the NIL capability to make this go, right? Like everybody wants more, but Illinois has the NIL capability to, to retain its top talent. These four are not alone and guys who are, who are benefiting from NIL this year, who probably could have, could have made that jump. But yeah, to, to your point, I remember Illinois basketball was playing at Minnesota and that was the final day. These two took it up to, like they didn't have a lot of hours to spare. I want to say they had like eight hours to spare before they announced. No, uh, maybe some, no, they knew. <laughs> they knew. Yeah, they knew. now maybe some fans were holding their breath. These guys knew they were coming back. They had videos that were edited and, and filmed beforehand. I, I'm sure they didn't do that in the same day. Uh, but yeah, dude, it changed a lot of, of how we look at this defense because imagine a world where they, they kick off in two weeks and your whole secondary is gone, almost your whole secondary, and your top two defensive linemen are gone. Now, you would still have Alec Bryant. You would still have Gabe Ackes. You would still have Seth Coleman. But you would feel the loss of Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton in the middle of this defensive line. 
So it changes. It, it allows Illinois to, to be able to feel comfortable in having their defensive front be the tone setters of their defense this year, while the back half was last year, and, and probably helps in a lot of ways that Luke Altmyer's weapons help him grow, and they can elevate him until he gets there. This defensive front, in an ideal world for Illinois, could probably do the same for the secondary. All right, I told I told Johnny this. He has no business being back in college football. I like how you, you set the arm crossed. You were just waiting. I, that was a very, <laughs> very dad move. Move out of the way. Let me cook on this one. Johnny Newton was one of the most disruptive forces I have seen uh, in, in the Big Ten as a defensive lineman. There's been really good ones, like obviously the Bosa brothers, phenomenal players. But as an interior disruptor, I don't know if he can do anything else. And I don't understand why he goes from – I might be a third or fourth round pick last year to now. Oh, no doubt. First round pick just because he came back for you. That doesn't make any sense to me. It was kind of a weak defensive tackle draft last year. And then outside of Jalen Carter, and then he comes back and it's like, Oh, this guy's definitely a first rounder. Maybe he was a second rounder last year. If he would have gone or third rounder like that, I would have been fine. But people were talking to him like he's a fourth or fifth round pick. I'm like, how does that make any sense? He didn't get better. Like he's going to get better because he's Johnny. And the one thing we hear about Johnny is his work ethic as talented as he is. And I remember I wrote a story about him, about how he flipped from Illinois to Maryland. And one of the reasons I wanted to write it is because I go, this guy's different. He's maybe not the ideal length, but you turned on his high school film and there was just for his size, the quickness was ridiculous. Like, so I thought he was a perfect fit for Lovey Smith's defense as a three technique. And in this defense as a three or four, he's been phenomenal. And he's just gotten so much better year after year technically with uh, Terrence Jameson. He he was my defensive player of the year in the Big Ten pick. So the you got that back. Like imagine a world where just Keith Randolph even comes back and Johnny Newton does not. That like that changes completely my expectations of this entire team. The fact that you got Johnny Newton, who's basically like the Aaron Donald of the Big Ten. I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Donald in the NFL, but he's got that type of gravity. Like he's just going to disrupt things time after time because all those centers and guards who are now in the NFL, now that next group of younger centers and guards has to deal with Johnny freaking Newton, who is a first-round draft pick and had 59 pressures last year. So. Sorry, I just had to get on my soapbox. I don't know how he got that to be that much better of an NFL prospect just by coming back for a year. He should have been at least a second rounder last year. Uh, but for Illinois to get him back, it changes my my prediction of what this team's going to be. Yeah, we should. I want to point to a three game stretch. Now these weren't three bowl teams, right? I mean this this was Indiana, Virginia, Chattanooga. So the second, third, and fourth game of the season, ten pressures against Indiana is a an absurd number. I mean, that's just an absurd number. Seven against Virginia, eight against Chattanooga. Again, we, we understand those are not the best teams to walk planet Earth. That is 25 pressures in three games. That is ridiculous. Like that, That's really impressive. And look, I mean, four against Mississippi State, six against Northwestern, two each against Michigan and Purdue, three against Michigan State, six against Nebraska, three against Minnesota, four against Iowa. That move, I mean, those are pretty good numbers. And as you mentioned, 59 to go with four sacks, 19 quarterback hits, 36 hurries. And I don't know that all of that accounts for Johnny Newton just being present and around in the backfield and making life difficult for a quarterback. He, he wrecked. I mean, 
at least one drive. I wish I remembered. I remember thinking he just ruined this whole drive. He completely blew it up. He offensive coordinators have to account for him on every play. And you think of that. Like if they're gonna double team one guy on Illinois, his defensive front, it's Johnny Newton. That means you're going single on Keith Randolph, an NFL player, Seth Coleman, a potential NFL player, and Gabe Ackes, a future NFL player. Like, that's that what seems, he does. That then, seems like it would be advantage Illinois. Yeah, and we'll get into the nose tackles here, but the nose tackles will have a one-on-one battle as well with a center who they're probably bigger than. So uh, to get him back is just an absolute coup. And then you had Keith Randolph on top of it, Joey, who's a ridiculously versatile, valuable talent, and I still feel like he's just scratching the surface of what he can be. I mean, Johnny led him in tackles for loss and sacks, and Keith was right behind, didn't have as many pressures, but was one of the top guys in the Big Ten in pressures. And I still think he's getting better and better every time uh, he plays. So he's he's what the NFL is looking for in that kind of four-eye shade, that 3-4 defensive end. Keith's got it, man, and, and he's he's just a freak of an athlete for his size. Yeah, Illinois has obviously been high on Keith Randolph. I think people who watch Illinois see Keith Randolph and, and understand. Starting to see Keith Randolph get his flowers a little bit more this offseason than – we've seen really to this point. And yeah, look, the story on Keith Randolph is pretty well told at this point. He was very late to football, basically goes out his first practice and gets an offer. He's like, well, all right. I mean, I guess this is, this is my path. And there's still an adjustment, still a physical adjustment. You still got to learn all the nuances of the game for given he's only played football for seven years. Two parks, six, six years. Pretty good football player for only being there and doing this for six years. And, you know, goodness gracious, I just pulled up his numbers here on PFF. He that got Virginia better as a season. I guess I, I, I guess I forgot how much of a throttling that Virginia game. He had seven pressures against Virginia. Dude, Brennan Armstrong just gave up. He's just like, yeah. I'm just going to throw the ball in the air. Somebody go that get poor, it. I'm sick of this. That poor kid. He had 32. I mean, 59 for Johnny Newton's a ridiculous number. 32 is a pretty good number. For interior defensive linemen, and, and I'm glad you mentioned his versatility. He played nose at times. He, he's moved around. He's, he's just kind of moved all up and down that defensive line. You're seeing him come into his own, and, and I, I still – I'm with you. I think there's still a lot left to unlock with Keith Randolph as a football player, and the version right now is a pretty good one. I always thought it made sense for Keith to come back because I feel like he was just scratching the surface, and I think he can raise his stock immensely. Johnny obviously did by coming back. Just coming back, he's all of a sudden first-round pick. But Keith, I think, can really elevate himself from maybe he would have been drafted last year. I think he can be, you know, mid-round draft pick, maybe even higher if he really explodes. And I think he's got the talent to do so. So good as Lovey Smith for finding these and landing these two guys, but also Terrence Jameson's done a great job developing them. All right, let's move on here because the big question is the nose tackle competition to replace – Calvin Avery, and again, kudos to Jameis. I thought Calvin Avery was really good last year. Um, there are moments, and Jay Lehman and I pointed out in the film room a lot, where he was dominant. And that nose tackle position doesn't get a lot of the stats, doesn't get a lot of the flowers, but they take up space. They make they put pressure in people's quarterback spaces. That makes it really difficult. And they occupy people so that the rest of the defense can make plays. And I thought Calvin Avery did that extremely well. So we got a competition of Denzel Daxon, the Ohio transfer, pretty good pedigree from the Bahamas, had some major offers uh, despite playing high school ball for the first time as a high school junior. 
Uh, and then T. Rod Edwards, who proved himself as a solid rotational piece. So, um, and the way they talk about Dax and Joey, sounds like they're pretty comfortable with what they got. Yeah, we wondered about that. He was fairly – wasn't he close to when spring ball started? He, he was fairly late. Yeah. In, you know, we say late in the sense of the cycle that, to get him in for spring ball. But I thought we had gone through most of the offseason assuming this was T. Rod Edwards' job, uh, probably pretty comfortably assuming that. But it sounds like Denzel Dax and during fall camp, training camp, it's not fall yet, it's 100 degrees outside, has really like turned it on here and has really put himself, I think, into both of our minds into the, the mixed and a realistic starter for this team. And will he start? I don't know. But he, he's in that conversation. And minimally, you've got a 1A, 1B option with T. Rod Edwards. Uh, now you're going from Ohio to the Big Ten, right? And T. Rod Edwards is going into what will be his most significant playing time in the Big Ten. I still think there are fair questions about the nose guard, just as there were a year ago with Calvin Avery not having all that production. But I think Terrence Jamison has proved himself to be a, a good teacher of defensive line play, a good coach. And I think the fact that I think the fact that Daxon comes in and is in this mix. And fall camp tells me probably more about him than it does T-Rod because we saw T-Rod Edwards have fine reps uh, yeah. in an Illinois jersey. Yeah, T-Rod played significant reps last year, 200-plus, and I thought he was solid. I thought he was really good um, for the most part. I mean, it was a solid part of the rotation. I felt like nose tackle, you didn't worry a lot about depth at that position last year because Calvin played so well and T-Rod came in uh, and, and was re- really solid. Um, Dax had big questions about when they, they brought him. In two years that he played at Ohio, he had 11 tackles, two and a half tackles for a loss, one sack. I mean, again, it's nose tackle, but it just there wasn't a lot there. Um, but it seems like he's changed a lot since he's gotten here. The way Terrence talks about how he really puts more time in the film room than anybody in the defensive line and knowing Johnny Newton, uh, that says a lot. And he's he's a big dude. Like when he came in, he was a little bigger, kind of like Rashawn Wilkins was last year. But he's really trimmed up a little bit. But massive arms. He's bigger than T. Rod Edwards. So I think the physical traits are higher ceiling than T. Rod. If you know he's been first up and in, in with Johnny and Keith and in, in some of the rotations that they've been doing that we've seen in practice, that tells me a really positive for Illinois because I thought T. Rod Edwards was unquestionably going to be the starter, be solid piece. If they think Daxon's better, I think that's a really good sign. But both of them are going to be key parts of this defense because both are going to play. Yeah, I don't think Illinois wants to be in a position where you have to rely on your starters in the defensive line to play the sheer amount of snaps that they had to play last year. And a lot of that really circles to Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton, but you, you would like to keep those guys fresh and rotate in and out. There's going to be a rotation one way or the other with T. Rodwards and Denzel Dax. I expect those snaps to be pretty similar to one another at the end of the day. Uh, obviously, I, whoever starts, I think, is going to have a few more, but th- those two are going to be big parts of this. Yeah, and in a league, you got Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Like in this division, man, you got to have that nose tackle. And the fact that they feel like they got one, and maybe they got one in the future here with Jeremiah Warren, that's a big position. And Daxon's here for two years. T. Edwards has – Two plus? Does he have three? He's got at least two more years. Um, That's a pretty good sign at that nose tackle position. All right, but the depth chart, Joey, this might be the concern, right? This is where we maybe get the concern. Because Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, I expect them. I expect Johnny to probably play 85-plus percent of snaps, if not more, like he did last year. 
I expect Keith Randolph to, to see the field most of the time, 75 to 80% of the time. But who are you rotating in? How do those guys do? Seems like Sed McConnell is the next guy up behind Johnny Newton. And it's, it is, it's time for him. It's, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's that last recruiting class of Lovey Smith had another power five offer. So there's talent there, but Terrence Jameson has said he's really improved a lot over the last year. And then you've got probably Bryce Barnes walk on for out of Gibson city has been a stalwart kind of walk on for your program program guy earned that Tim McCarthy scholarship. So, you know, he's going to give you some toughness, but there's a drop off to that next group. I mean, there's got, there's going to be, but the talent there, the of missing recruits in 21 and 22 starting to show at that position. Yeah, we knew it, right? We knew there was going to be that cliff when, when those recruiting classes just didn't bear a lot of fruit. They need this position to stay healthy because there's, you know, I do wonder if you're, if you had to pick a freshman who is maybe, I know you mentioned Jeremiah Warren at nose, if you had to pick a freshman who maybe could, could find their way up into that mix, you would look at a guy like Alex Bray, who is a, an uber productive high school player. They liked what they got. He didn't have a lot of offers, uh, but it sounds like reports have been pretty good on him, Jeremy. JMO has raved about him, says he's maybe among the best pass rushers in the group now he's probably 270 pounds right now 275 something like that so he needs a year he, they want him to be the developmental guy but if there's an injury in front of him maybe he's a guy who elevates in the two deep evan kurtz i want to mention him former offensive lineman he's just kind of a stout guy not as quick as these other guys uh dylan davis also probably the third string nose tackle they'd like him to be he had a decent off season but uh yeah they're excited about alex bray and jeremiah warren and pat farrell probably has another year or two developing but um he's a really long guy that I think eventually fills that Keith Randolph role, but defensive lineman, you'd like to, to redshirt a year and, and just develop them and technique-wise in the strength and conditioning program. And that's possible if you're healthy. Yes. This is this is the position more than any on the team that it's if there's an injury, then uh-oh. To, the, to the two main guys. Like, if there's a nose right. tackle injury, maybe you can hold down the fort, but to Newton or Randolph, yeah. Yeah, that's it's not ideal. I, I am very curious. Seth McConnell, I know we talked about him as the most important backup, not named quarterback on this team. Stand by that. And I, I'm interested to see what he can do. He's going to be a rotational guy. In an ideal world for Illinois fans, he's nothing more than a rotational guy because that means the two guys are healthy in front of him. But he is he's really – this is a big year for him to show that when we're talking about this next year and Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton are in NFL camps, then it's, okay, Seth McConnell is going to – be that guy or, or maybe plus one or two portal guys when you're trying to sell a really good pitch for your two defensive linemen it's a big year for him yep yeah because you're counting on Seth mcconnell to be one of those starters next year and then are you having to go to a redshirt freshman and alex bray or probably have to go to the portal probably and you'll have a hell of a sell but um yeah i, I think alex bray is going to be probably an important part of that but Seth mcconnell certainly is going to be that that said you got Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, who probably changed my season prediction. Like, if they didn't come back, we're debating bowl team, right? G- given what those guys mean to the defensive front. But with those guys in here, obviously expectations are very high. Phil Steele, I want to put you on the spot so bad at how yeah. many wins they change your prediction without giving away too much. At least two. At least two. Which I'm between seven and eight, so that tells you they'd be like, I mean, you think about it because like Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman are really good, but you have so many questions in the middle of your defense, on the back of your defense, right? 
Tariq Barnes probably going to get a lot of tackles if those guys weren't back, but that might not be a good thing for Illinois. Phil Steele has this group ranked fifth. He has a four-way tie for the top Big Ten uh, defensive line, which is cheating. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa. I get the Penn State. Iowa's pretty good. I mean, Ohio State's obviously really talented. I think Illinois should probably be three or four on that list, but that's just me. Either way, this is a, this could be a dominant defensive line. If Denzel Daxon can be what Calvin Avery was last year, they're only getting better than what they were last year, which is insane. I'll give him some credit. Does the defensive line mean defensive front, or does it mean defensive line? Because I think if you move in the front, they probably could move up that list. If it's just line, okay. I guess I, I my issues with the four-way tie. Just go one through four, Phil. Yes. Come on. Yeah, what are we on. doing here? Make a call, man. Yeah, I don't even remember what the question was. Where the Ex- expectations <laughs> for this defensive line. I have the whole rundown of what we're going to talk about, and I just refuse to listen or look at it. Just ask you. Uh, yeah, top. One of the top defensive lines in the Big Ten. And guess what? Those guys would tell you that's not high enough. I don't know that anybody believes in this defensive line and believes in Johnny Newton as much as Johnny Newton. And for as much as he believes in that, he believes in Keith Randolph. Like, they are justifiably very high on what they can be. And they've proven it. They've proven they are very, very good defensive linemen, the productive defensive linemen. There are some positions, Jeremy, running back being one where you kind of have to, on this Illinois team, kind of have to look at what we think they could be. We just got to look at what they've been. And what they've been has been pretty freaking good. And Johnny Newton, I think he was the preseason defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. Uh, No, Cooper DeGene was in the poll. Was he for the – did the Big Ten actually release? I don't know if they did that. Oh, Yo, you know what? I don't think he did. It was close, right? Like yes. he, He's going to be in that conversation at the end of the year to be the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. He was on my top um, three last year, to be honest with you. I mean, like this isn't projecting production. This is real production that comes back with another year of, of strength and experience and, and coaching. It's going to be one of the top defensive fronts in the Big Ten. Which is why – my expectation for this team is pretty high, and this defense is still pretty high despite losing that secondary as you return all these guys up front. We we think oh, we'll get to the linebackers next time, but I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off there. And uh, the a young, inexperienced defensive backroom's best friend is this kind of defensive line. Uh, so Johnny Newton should be in the NFL right now. Keith Randolph could be if, if he wanted to, or at least be in a training camp right now. They're playing for Illinois, and they're two of the best defensive linemen in the Big Ten. Uh, so this this defense, I, I expect to be pretty good. Obviously, a new coordinator can change things, but uh, I think Brett Bielma has a good history of picking defensive coordinators, too, that you can rely on. So, yeah, this this offensive line, defensive line, just to wrap this up, Joey, this is why I think this team has such a high floor. It's why I believe in this program right now is because you are built in the trenches. You are not counting on Luke Allmeyer to carry your team. You're not counting on turnovers uh, to – to make up for a lack in the trenches. You have one of the best offensive line and defensive line groups combined, certainly in the Big Ten West, but I think among the Big Ten, you're probably top five there. Yeah, I'm with you. Why don't Isaiah Adams and Julian Pearl have a cool nickname, though? That's a good point. I mean, couldn't Adams and Pearl be the law firm, too? Like, why why was Newton and Randolph, like, the law firm? That's what you know. You you talked right there, and the whole time I thought, I wonder if it was Newton or if it was Randolph that really stuck out with him. 
Well, it'd be better if it was like because the the secondary, if it were like Scott, Scott, and Hill, like that sounds like a law firm because usually there's like two relatives in the law firm that are running it, like Scott and Scott. That's usually like a law firm or something. He's gonna call them the Scott brothers at some point, isn't he? Miles Scott and Xavier Scott. Oh yeah. Who do you call brothers? They weren't actually brothers at all, but I think they had the same last name. And he, I don't know. Yeah, we, <laughs> we should ask him. We should ask him. But we this, should that well instead of trying to figure out the backup quarterback, we are going to ask Brett Bielema to to dive back in. Uh, uh, who's he's a marketing guy? Did you hear it? Have you ever heard that? It's come to my attention. Yeah, he's a marketing guy. Uh, I think it was, it was Chase Brown and Chase Hayden. That's right, the Chase brothers. <laughs> That's what it was, wasn't it? Yes. No I don't sense. know how we got here. <laughs> made no sense. I was thinking one of the Browns. I couldn't. I couldn't line it up. But yeah, you dug out the Chase Hayden. Anyway, if I were Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams, I would have had. What the hell, you know, bro? Hey, I'm not. I'm not back if I don't have. If we don't have a cool nickname here. Yeah. So send those submissions. Uh, put it on the YouTube channel or whatever it is. Tweet it at us. We'll figure that out. <laughs> whatever uh, it is. <laughs> This this was oh, the best football. This was the best position preview we've done, Joey, by far. This can't be topped. You're so happy. So happy. And I Illinois fans should be happy because this is like a positive one. Like, think about what we've been talking about if those four dudes didn't come back. If, okay, so you said the two defensive guys were probably worth a let's just generously say game and a half. Yeah, just meet in the middle there. What if all four were gone? How much do all four of those swing your prediction total? Four and eight. Be four and eighteen. Really? You think so? I mean, I'd put them. I'd land at five and seven. They wouldn't be a bowl team in my prediction if, the, if those four guys didn't no. come back. No. Yeah, I feel pretty confident in saying that. Like it's that is. We are talking about linemen, and this is this is Brett Bielema's program. This is a and that is why they're program. worth the NIL dollars, everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's that's kind of crazy to think about, isn't it? You're talking a think how much money three that... and a half game swing from from four guys coming back. Yeah. So if anyone's ever like, oh, nil ruining this, like these guys are coming back, probably getting more degrees, more education, right? Getting money, helping your team win. Which how much money is that worth for Josh Whitman and Brett Bielma and Illinois Athletics? It's worth a lot of people sitting in Memorial Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Sure is. Sure is. So while they don't. Get the headlines that uh, maybe well Brett Bielema does well enough with the law firm, but while these guys don't get the attention that a Chase Brown or a Tommy DeVito get, these are guys that are so integral into to winning football games. I think most people understand that. All right, that'll wrap it up. We got the linebackers and edge rushers, outside linebackers coming up in the next podcast. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Line Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on the YouTube channel. If you're watching us there, hit the like button on the way out. Hit the notifications bell and subscribe to us as well. For Joey Wagner, I'm Jeremy Warner. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Line Inquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.